Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. That's my black form. Hey, it's April 26th, y'all, 2014. Well, this year is just about uh, trying to get away from us here. Wow. Hey, everybody, have a good Easter. I take it. Pope's got some big ceremony going on uh I guess it's tomorrow in Rome there. Somebody's getting canonized. Who's it? Uh, John Paul, I believe, is one of them. Getting canonized. I don't know how to do that, y'all. <laughs> don't get the Hushmore started. Welcome to the Hushmore Black Forum, my dear, y'all. Well, my motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. Not in necessity. Sometimes we'll do it louder. Uh, than anybody out here on the blog talk, yeah. We we like to keep everything on the even keel. Uh, we advocate advocate for social justice on behalf of Americans of African descent. Not not because we don't love everybody. Now we love everybody. Just by extension, find ourselves advocating for that uh, community. Lord knows we. We need all the advocacy we can get in our community. Oh, there's a big debate going on in the country now, y'all. Everything from affirmative action to, you know, this this uh, economic inequality has got a lot of components to it, y'all. One of, one of, one of them uh, being that uh, we advocate in my new book, uh, Racism and Hate in American Reality. Is uh, reparation is a part of that uh, conversation? You know, we got a uh, lot of folks don't like to uh, include that in the conversation. But oh yeah, the uh, separate equal laws injured uh, millions of Americans prior to 1854. Separate equal laws uh, here in the South and here in the country injured millions of uh, Americans of African descent. And uh, they won uh, a case for uh, financial reparation in 1954. That's just a fact, Kel. When Brown overturned uh, or set aside classic, uh, it set aside all of the Jim Crow laws that uh, he had uh, codified, uh, which included discrimination in the workplace, doing enormous uh, financial damage to millions of Americans uh, of African descent. Yeah. That's just a fact. Hey, check my book out, y'all. I uh, got it pretty well documented. Go to my website, hushmoreblack.com. Follow my blog. I got excerpts from my book posted on my blog. I haven't posted one this week. As of yet, I'm going to leave it at excerpt eight for a couple of weeks because that excerpt eight, which was my last post out of my book, uh, is so uh, uh, very important for the reader to uh, kind of get a handle around. 
it's a, a, a piece, uh, an essay put together by W.E.B. Du Bois uh, 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 to be presented to uh, uh, the United Nations back in 1947. It's a critique, I, I call it the critique of the plight of uh, uh, blacks uh, back then in 1947 living under uh, the separate equal laws. This is seven years before Brown came along. 1947, uh, right at the end of World War II. Uh, the United Nations at that time was fairly a new organization. They, they had the League of Nations that was limping along since, I guess, 1918 or somewhere around thereabouts. But uh, the United Nations, in fact, I don't think the United States ever uh, joined the League of Nations, protesting again. Uh, something about uh, racist, uh, racism or uh, whether or not uh, they should uh, recognize uh, recognize it as even a problem. Uh, anyway, I digress here. Yeah. Have you got a call in? 1-888-588-3814. We don't take too many calls out here on the High School Black Forum. We will. I'll take a call from time to time, y'all, no doubt. We ain't screwed, as they say. Hey, I want to congratulate a friend of mine's uh, daughter, Miss Betty Pritchard. Her two fine uh, daughters got promoted to lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. I want to congratulate those two young ladies, uh, I knew them when they was there, uh, in high school, getting out of high school, getting ready to go to college. Now the uh, lieutenant colonels in the army. I guess they've been in there some 15 years or so now. I want to congratulate them again on their outstanding service to uh, our country. Um, we... Um, We, uh, Cladelia and Cladea, Cladelia and Cladea, Pritchard, we're just, uh, Cladelia and Cladea. Now, you know, um, yeah, they're, they're my, my kids age, I mean, I was totally about the same age. Yeah. Lieutenant Colonel, they got one more to go to be a full bird. They come out of there right now, they gonna be set. Five. Get that going. Cladelia and Cladia. Hey, uh, 
We 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 off on a tangent here, looking at uh, the pictures of the two twins that uh, just got promoted there. Their mother, Miss Betty Pritchett, sent us a picture of their uh, ceremonies uh, here a month so back. Once again, congratulations, uh, ladies. What's going on in the world? Facebook friends, how y'all doing? Uh, we uh, got a fantastic show. We're going to get back into my episode eight from my new book, Racism and Hate and American Reality. It's, uh, it's so important. Uh, it's so important for us to understand uh, exactly um, what the separate equal uh, laws uh, uh, did to us economically. Seeing as how we're having this conversation in the nation, as economic inequality uh, thing, this uh, affirmative action, and what what is affirmative action? Why was it even necessary? It was necessary because uh, uh, the country uh, had uh, uh, instituted all these separate equal laws that injured millions uh, of its citizens, uh, held them back economically. And uh, 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 mentally, really, uh, with inferior uh, schools and the likes. But uh, uh, yeah, we 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 uh, uh, have to include that uh, in the conversation. We start talking about rolling back affirmative action because uh, I'm with uh, Justice Clarence Thomas on this thing. That 14th, uh, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment should have protected everybody equally, and no need for anything else. Again, uh, dealing with uh, a civil rights. Everybody's rights should have been equally or equal by those three amendments. That, uh, unfortunately, did not happen. That uh, did not happen. And uh, uh, in there uh, lies the problem. Uh, the 14th Amendment of my people, of me, uh, was taken away, was taken away with the separate equal shenanigans that went on for some 90 years after that civil war. Now you come along. Hey, hey, we uh, should have uh, petitioned the court in 1954 for financial reparation. Remember, I got it all uh, documented in my book here, y'all. We should have petitioned it. Thurgood Marshall and his legal team could have petitioned it. Uh, obviously, there was some uh, 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 stuff going on back then. Uh, pressure uh, put on uh, that legal team not to uh, petition that court uh, from fear of uh, some social unrest or uh, racial unrest in the South. Uh, 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 racial uh, threats of racial terrorism is what it amounted to. We we continue because uh, just because uh, the court wouldn't petition me and there's no statute of limitation on. Uh, uh, when we can uh, petition that court for financial reparation because of affirmative a- action shenanigans that right now people are railing against. They have a problem with it. They have a problem with the affirmative action dealing with race. 
<laughs> all of a sudden race is uh, uh, all this big thing and you can't use race for anything except when you use race to deny me uh, economic uh, equality for some 90 years after that civil war. You use race then uh, to deny me now. You turn around and say, whoa, uh, you, uh, uh, you should uh, you can't use race now to uh, get some kind of uh, uh, equal uh, status. Eh? That's why financial reparations are so important. Though. That's why it's so important. That's why the 46 million acres back in 1865, uh, uh, that Homestead uh, Act was so important. Uh, that uh, the people are uh, uh, beat out of. Why that uh, 46 million acres of real estate was so important back there, yeah, because uh, we didn't want race to play a part in the, uh, the social society <laughs> that we were uh, entering into when my people were free, back, emancipated back there. When my people was emancipated back then, 1865, we didn't want race to be a, a, a factor uh, uh, assimilating into uh, the new society, but it was. But it was. Now, uh, all of a sudden, we don't want race to be a problem. In fact, <laughs> we don't want to even mention race in anything anymore. Now that uh, the wealth has been uh, has been uh, uh, sucked out of a uh, uh, segment of uh, the society. We don't want to, we don't even want to mention race anymore. We want that to be an afterthought. We we can't allow that to happen. Yeah, we we've got to uh, we've got to. Uh, make a stand on uh, our position here when it comes to this economic inequality and this affirmative action stuff. You see, the courts are rolling that stuff back like uh, 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 it's no to, uh, tomorrow, y'all. We, uh, if they're going to roll that affirmative action back, it's more urgent that, uh, it's all the more uh, urgent that we uh, it's all the more urgent that we uh, demand uh, our reparations that we want for those injuries. Then we won't. We would need to be uh, looking at some affirmative action to help us here and help us there. Come on, yeah. This is not a hard argument to make. Arguing for reparations for all Americans of African descent born prior to 1954 is not a hard argument to make, y'all. That is a clear-cut uh, fact that uh, we were injured by the separate equal laws by Plessy. That is a a large part of the economic inequality that exists between uh, uh, certain segments uh, of the society. Yeah, the separate equal laws, yeah. The state, when I say the state, I'm, t- I'm referring to uh, the state government of the uh, individual states that had the separate equal laws and the federal government. Because remember that federal government uh, uh, tied all the stuff together with that uh, Supreme Court ruling in 1896 that that the M.B. Ferguson case. That, that thing literally separated all of Americans back in the sense. 
uh, out of uh, uh, society. That's what the judge ruled, and that's what uh, the uh, uh, society exercised for the next uh until nineteen fifty four. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. So we can't we can't uh this affirmative action thing has to be tied back to uh nineteen fifty four and the separate equal laws that uh, injured us. Uh where we didn't petition that court. So no statute of limitation on it because what the separate equal laws, that period amounted to uh, uh, was nothing short of genocide. Surely there's no, uh, there's no statute of limitation on, uh, on uh, genocide. We, uh, hey, y'all, it's about uh, 18 minutes after the hour. I'll tell you, flies, when you're having fun, y'all. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Got the Braves on. Braves playing pretty good ball, y'all. Oh, yeah, that was just a bad break right there. Boy, hit the ball right up the street. Hey, hit the ball right up the middle. So, yeah, we, uh, we make that a big part of our uh, conversation. The reparation thing that we were on with Herman Cain uh, uh, last week, I guess it was, and was trying to make a case uh, to him that uh, the several equal laws uh, uh, injured us. He thought it would, we'd be on a wild goose chase out there uh, uh, trying to chase that uh, thing down. Hey, we'd be even on a crazier uh <laughs> A chase if we didn't do anything at all. If you said nothing at all and sit silently by while everybody else talked about the uh, and to dismantle the the uh, 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 woefully inadequate uh, 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 um, uh, attempts to uh, satisfy those injuries with the affirmative action junk that uh, went down in the sixties where we. I got lumped in with like nine other minorities that had nothing to do with uh, the seven equal injuries that uh, Americans actually said suffered for some uh, hundred years after that Civil War. Now we <laughs> we we got we got the uh, affirmative action schemes that uh, that uh, left us woefully. Uh, uh, <laughs> in search of uh, uh, some remedies for our injuries there when uh, 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 white females got to be the largest uh, uh, part of that uh, minority group and claimed uh, uh, about 80% of the affirmative action dollars there. Claimed about 85% of the affirmative action dollars were back to whites. That's just a fact, yeah. That's just a fact. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost uh, comical. Now they're talking about the, the firm of action, the race, they got nothing to do with it. Race had everything to do with it. When it, if it wasn't for race, we wouldn't even uh, have a, a conversation about the firm of action. It would not be for race. For uh, the injuries that uh, was perpetrated uh, on one race, we, Hey, we 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 got to get into what that uh, what uh, what affirmative action was even about. It was about race. 
and now all of a sudden uh, race can't uh, be a part of it. That makes no sense, y'all. Wow, they have jumped on us already, y'all. It wasn't nothing. That's all right. We had to score one run to win the game anyway. We ain't gonna worry about that. We had to score at least one run. Take a quick pause for the calls, and uh, we'll be right back. It's about 20 minutes after the hour. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmore Black Forum. Tell your friends about it. Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in Cyberspace. Thank you. 
Minutes after seven, midday to y'all. Have a beautiful weekend. Uh, I don't know where y'all are, are located, but uh, we got it going on here in the ATL, y'all. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's about, it must about 80 degrees, something like that. Out there. Wow. Yeah, you can't stand. So much better than that. It's April. The pollen is kind, uh, kind of letting uh, up a little bit. I mean, oh, yeah, it's rough down here. It's beautiful. All, those and all that stuff is in bloom. But uh, it can uh, be a real uh, challenge for those who uh, suffer from allergies and the like. We don't we don't manage uh yeah. <laughs> when uh, we have to go outside and uh, do the lawn like uh like we did this week. And then every day all bets are off. We have to get out there and do that lawn, all bets are off, yeah. It can get rough. It can get rough. But uh, we uh, we've let Cincinnati here uh, come in here and uh, get a lead on us in this game now. This is game two of a series with the Cincinnati Reds, the big red machine. Big red machine, they did much though. So just Pete Rose and Joe Morgan got up out of there and Jenny Pitts. Uh, they, they been, although they competitive every year, they tough. I can tell you that right now, they tough. But, uh, wow. Wow, out of that. Freddie just changed all that, y'all. 
Freddie just changed all that with a two-run bomb to take the lead in this thing right here. Oh, yeah. We ain't no joke, y'all. We ain't no joke. That was a half fastball he touched up out of there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ain't no joke, yeah. Ain't no. Oh, Justin's so up, son. Wait till the ball get to the thing. Wait till the ball get to uh, the plate. My goodness. Oh, that ball's outside your zone. I, I'm looking at, hey, y'all, uh, no man the hush here. We uh, call the game, too. We got we got all kinds of things going on out here. We can multi, we multitask. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> we multitasking, y'all. Hey, the president's in Malaysia. President's in Malaysia, y'all. Trying to uh, get something going on over there. Uh... Right after the plane crash, that's like the Ukraine is still imploding. <laughs> and we got <laughs> unrest in the country. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, uh, we got, how would you like to be president now? The self-assuring prophecy is, in the beginning, a false definition of the situation evoking a new behavior, which makes the original false conception come true. That's what the, <laughs> I, uh, I use that uh, uh, self-assuring prophecy uh, in my book, uh, dealing with the self-assuring prophecy of racism that uh, was uh, put in place when the country uh first got together back in the uh, uh, <laughs> prior to that uh, revolutionary war and, uh, the self-fulfilling prophecy of racism dealing with the last <laughs> that uh, one race of people was uh, somehow superior to another race of people that's the self-fulfilling prophecy of racism that I talk about.
Hey, uh, looks like the Democrats are finally um, embracing the Affordable Health Care Act. <laughs> now that uh, about 10 million people have signed up. Now that about 10 million people have signed up, they are finally uh, starting to embrace uh, affordable health care for all Americans. How anybody, how anybody could not support that law is uh, beyond the pale, y'all. How anybody could uh, uh, not support uh, wanting to uh, uh, make sure all Americans had access to health care is beyond uh, the pill. It's beyond the pill, yeah. I think uh, the Democrats have a heck of a, a, a chance of uh, uh, taking the House by running on uh, the Affordable Health Care uh, Act. I think they have a great chance of taking that House away because anybody any clear, any rational-minded person, be he white or black or in between, uh, could see that uh, um, uh, what we have uh, up there in the House of Representatives is not uh, working on behalf of the American people. That government, that 113th Congress or whatever it is, is not working on behalf of the American people. That thing is a joke, y'all. That thing is a joke since 2010. That Congress has been a joke. Has been a joke. And it's almost uh, uh, letting, in fact, it is letting the country down. Uh, Some of the shenanigans, not to mention them closing the government down for 16 days at about a $25 billion hit to the economy. Oh, we we forgot that. That little uh, 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 scheme. Uh, didn't go unnoticed. Didn't even go unnoticed, y'all. We, uh, (laughs) we may have beat them turkeys again. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I want to give a shout out to the Atlanta Hawks who's playing the hearts out in the NBA playoffs. Y'all. Shout out to my Hawks. Somebody put out on Facebook that uh, somehow Indiana had messed up their chemistry. I posted them back that <laughs> most of that had to do with the Atlanta uh, Hawks. That's ended up for Hawks fans and ball, you know, They match up well with the Indiana for some reason. Indiana is the number one seed in the in the East. Yeah, the Hawks number eight. I guess Miami the Heat's two. But uh the Pacers Pacers got a heck of a team now. We got a long way to go to we got a long way to go before we uh, call this thing here victory. Uh, <laughs> before we before we uh, declare victory 
we can't do that just yet. Mr. Bundy, Al Bundy, has, uh, has been in the news. The freeloader out there in uh, Nevada grazing on public land made some comment about he thought blacks would be better off as slaves. Or, no, he didn't think that. He wondered that whether or not they would be better off. He wondered whether they'd be better off as slaves. But uh, he came on his CNN and he'd been on there and Chop dancing back away from that. I didn't. I, I heard it personally uh, talking about uh, Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and all that. He was invoking everybody. I didn't detect no real racism in that guy. Woefully ignorant, <laughs> perhaps. A woefully misinformed. I, I'll say that. But I didn't detect that the guy was actually a racist. Uh, Nevertheless, the guy's a freeloader. The guy has no business talking about uh, blacks being on welfare. He's been on welfare for two generations out there in Nevada. Uh, just let that alone. And I'll, leave, I'll forgive you for the racist stuff. I don't think you and I'm not offended by the word Negro either, by the way. Like a lot of white Americans assume that blacks are not offended by that word. I'm not. Uh, I'm not offended by, uh, uh, by it at all. I am offended by racist, somebody who thinks they're superior to me. That's a whole different uh, animal there, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> I, myself, I am an, I, an American of African descent, how I refer to myself in my own ethnicity. I'm an American of African descent. That's all I am. I ain't nothing else. No more, no less than in this stern place for some eight generations before uh, this uh, Georgia was a state. Wow. So Georgia was a state, y'all, uh, and uh, before this country was a country. My family has been here. We're indigenous to this place. We're indigenous to this place here, uh, To the United States of America, my people are indigenous to it. <laughs> y'all don't know. To a little of this petition to the United Nations put forth by W.E.B. Du Bois. Once again, I want to thank the good people at the Crisis Magazine for allowing me to reprint this important document, historical document. This uh, such an important historical document. Uh, um, it's hard to find. But uh, I, I uh, it's in my book. There were in the United States of America in 1940 some 12,865,000 native-born citizens, something less than a tenth of the nation, who was largely a segregated caste with restricted legal rights and many illegal disabilities. They are descendants of Africans brought to America during the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries, over 300 years ago, to reduce the slave labor. 
This group has no complete biological immunity, but varies in color from white to black and comprises a great variety of physical characteristics. Since many other offsprings of white European Americans, as well as of Africans and American Indians, there are a large number of white Americans who also descend from Negroes, but who are not counted in the color group nor subjected to the caste restrictions because of the preponderance of white blood conceals their descent. Remember, this is a this is an assay. This is a petition that W. E. B. Du Bois and the NAACP put, put, um, put together in 1947 uh, to present to the United Nations on behalf of American African descent, looking for some kind of redress uh, from that newly formed body uh, who was looking into uh, the. Uh, uh, persecution of the Jews in Nazi Germany shortly after World War II. That's what this is about. Uh, the NAACP uh, concluded that uh, while this new group is looking at uh, 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 discrimination uh, against the minorities, uh, uh, could uh, uh, very well take up uh, our plight here. Uh, we've been discriminated against some 300 years at that time here in this country, so they put together this petition and uh, to present it. Needless to say, the petition never got to the floor. This petition never got to the floor uh, to be acted on. Uh, the uh, uh, a delegate from the United States prevented uh, W. E. Du Bois from uh, presenting this, from, uh, from bringing this thing to the floor for action back then in 1947. But we're going to go on. The so-called American Negro Group, therefore, while it is in no sense absolutely set off physically from its fellow American has nevertheless a strong hereditary cultural unity born of slavery, of common suffering, prolonged prescription, and curtail of political and civil rights. And curtailment of political and civil rights. And especially because of economic and social disabilities, largely from this fact have arisen their cultural gifts to America and their music and folk. Their religious faith and customs, their contribution to American art and literature, their defense of their country in the war on land, sea, and in the air, and especially the hard, continuous toil upon which the prosperity and wealth of this continent has largely been built. The group has long been eternally divided by the dilemma as to whether. The striving network should be aimed at strengthening its intercultural and group bonds, both for intrinsic progress and for offensive power against caste, or whether it should seek escape wherever and however possible into the surrounding American culture. Decision in this matter has been largely determined by our compulsion rather than in a plan. Prolonged policies of segregation and discrimination have involuntarily welded, welded the mass almost into a nation within a nation, with its own schools, churches, hospitals, newspapers, and many business enterprises. Describing the situation here, living under separate equal, that uh, uh, forced 
the uh, that forced the uh, uh, community to uh, uh, come together to develop uh, its own inner uh, economic structure, uh, so to speak. And uh, we, uh, in a lot of ways, was uh, uh, much more um, together as a community by uh, the oppressive uh, laws of uh, segregation uh, in one respect, uh, uh, and that it did force us to uh, uh, develop our own culture. Uh, so to speak, and, and uh, as, as one thing, we wasn't really we wasn't after uh, uh, this integration thing after the Civil War so much as we was uh, uh, some economic uh, parity. Uh, what happened was uh, in the, uh, uh, the several equal laws and the discriminatory laws that was put in place uh, denied us access to real estate, to capital, to uh, I, I want to say education, but a lot of uh, schools uh, was established and we did get educated to a certain extent, but even though the curriculum that uh, we got was uh, 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 woefully inadequate uh, to uh, keep us up even uh, intellectually uh, uh, with uh, the rest of society. But, uh, the main thing was uh, denying us access to uh, Denying access to uh, real estate, the 46 million acres set aside in the Southern Homestead Act that uh, uh, put a big hole in uh, our ability to uh, uh, have our, uh, our foundation to uh, foundation to uh, our foundation uh, 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 collateralized by real estate to. Uh, Go forward on into the new society. We got the 46 million acres. I think we, uh, we wouldn't necessarily be uh, talking about this a humongous uh, this humongous gap in uh, uh, economics between the citizens today had uh, uh, had not been for them ripping us off, the powers that be ripping us out of, uh, uh, and not allowing the people to acquire that uh, real estate uh, while uh, trying to uh, make their way into uh, trying to make their way into society. While trying to make their way into the society. We, uh, we'd be in a different place here today, you uh, We've been in a much different place had we uh, initially been able to uh, acquire that uh, uh, real estate. Hey, Reba, you don't know anything about the Southern Homestead Act. Uh, I urge you to uh, pick up a copy of my book, which says we hate that American reality. We cover, uh, we cover uh, the Southern Homestead uh, Act of uh, 1866 and that thing. Yeah, where some 46 million acres were set aside in a homestead act that stayed on the books uh, uh, until 17, uh, until 1876, some 10 years, 
But uh, blacks in the South was uh, denied access to that property. And that's what the property was set aside for. Uh, uh, when they repealed that law in 1770, in 1876, uh, 43 million acres was returned to the federal government. And that land was uh, set up at homes. Uh, a few blacks got some of that land. Very few. It was 3 million acres that was distributed. Most of that went to white um, folks, by the way. But blacks did get some uh, a small amount of the land, but they should have got the whole 46 million acres. That would have given them uh, uh, the real estate necessary to uh, live on, to work, to to uh, 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 have their own uh, 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 to have their own uh, 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 value, a real estate value to uh, better uh, uh, assimilate into society without having to uh, worry about integrating directly with the, uh, into white society. They, to, they would have their own property in the five southern states. Other than the property was located in all the five southern states here, uh, Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, Florida. Uh, Georgia wasn't included in that, but uh, the people in Georgia could walk right across the border to Florida or Alabama and get their property. Had it not been for the separate equal laws that prevented them from uh, uh, accessing the property, that was a uh, tremendous, tremendous hit. Uh, uh, just going into uh, this new uh, this new society here, this all-new free society that uh, some five million uh, Americans found themselves in, uh, finally, uh, as quickly uh, was emancipated, uh, Uh, I know some of them, uh, they were emancipated that uh, the 14th Amendment put in place that uh, they took it away. They took uh, they took it away. Denied the people access to this uh, society uh, with this anti-amalgamation uh, drunk. And uh, uh, had they uh, gave the people the 46 million acres, they, would been, uh, they wouldn't have to worry about somebody trying to move in with, uh, uh, and uh, integrate into uh, their community. They wouldn't have to worry about that, period. Uh, but greed got it away again. They were so hell-bent on keeping uh, the labor costs that uh, damn near slave labor uh, that they wouldn't let the people go. They would not let the people go after the Civil War was over. They would not let the blacks leave to go uh, get this property away from them. Uh, but yet, they would not allow them to assimilate uh, into the, the social society. <laughs> we, uh, damn if you do and damn if you don't. Hey. Wow. Damn if you do and damn if you don't. Huh? That's where they found themselves. Right after the uh, after the Civil War was over, the great great granddaddy Dan, he uh, he found himself now. Dan, my great great granddaddy Dan, he had uh, lived half his life in uh, slavery. Born in 1820, down there in Troop County. 
lived half his life a slave, gave the folks uh, uh, some 40 years of uh, his labor, his free labor, uh, lived through five years of a bloody civil war, and uh, 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 through uh, uh, his emancipation, and no sooner than the war was over, and he was emancipated, he found himself, he found himself uh, caught up in this uh, political purgatory. <laughs> this freaking political pur- purgatory with no freaking uh, fortune in the right. Uh, <laughs> hey. Mm. So, uh, yeah. We talk about it in my book, uh, Racism and Hate in American Reality. It fits uh, real well into uh, the conversation of the day, the economic conversation, the uh, uh, affirmative action and all that stuff. They can't talk about affirmative action unless they talk about the separate equal laws that uh, brought about a need for the affirmative action uh, that injured millions of Americans of African descent for some 90 years after that Civil War, yeah. The Jim Crow laws of the South injured me. I was born here in 1945 without uh, 14th Amendment protections in the state of Georgia here, yeah. We uh, got this letter we write up to uh, Mr. Herman Cain. We should get it to him next week along with a copy of my book, thanking him for allowing me uh, to be on this program. I enjoyed it. Obviously, the one-minute uh, format of his rapid fire doesn't allow for uh, proper uh, uh, proper uh discussion of uh, the uh, economic inequality in my uh, 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 part of my remedy uh, being reparation. We ain't going to be able to get that <laughs> discussion covered in a minute, I assure you, but I did. Uh, I, 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 I'm in the process of uh, following up uh, with a letter with a little more uh, clarification uh, uh, about what I was, uh, what I was, uh, what I am advocating uh, in my book and uh, on my show here on the Hushmore platform. It's what we do, y'all. We advocate for social justice on behalf of Americans, African descent, uh, not because we don't love everybody. We do just happen to be a part of that community by extension find ourselves uh, advocating on their behalf. We uh, cover an excerpt from my book, Excerpt 8. You can find it, go to my uh, web uh, a web uh, site, hushmoreblack.com, and uh, from that uh, you can see uh, my blog page. Go to my blog page, and I post all my excerpts on my blog page. Uh, uh, Excerpt 8 has been out there for a week or so now. I'm going to leave it out there for a couple of more weeks. I'm going to leave it out there for a couple of more weeks because I want uh, everybody to uh, have a chance to uh, ingest it. It's a petition to the United Nations by W.E.B. Du Bois that he put together in 1947. 
uh, on behalf of Americans of African descent, he was woefully uh, 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 who was uh, catching holy hell back then under the separate equal laws, and he uh, put together this petition uh, to present to the United Nations seeking redress on their behalf. Ooh, Freddy, 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 Freddy. Oh, that's good. Hey, y'all, we're going to take another quick pause for the calls. Yeah, we'll be right back. Y'all hang in there. You got me in the hush, bro. It's about two minutes to eight, y'all. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Hushmore Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in Cyberspace.
W.E.B. Du Bois, born in Massachusetts, uh, 1868, he was born. Went to uh, graduate school at the University of Berlin in 1892. Now, imagine that. <laughs> this guy went to graduate school, started his graduate school, got a doctorate out of Harvard, but he did much of uh, most of his uh, uh, graduate studies at the University of Berlin. Where he uh, started uh, his thesis on the suppression of the West African slave trade, finished at Harvard in 1896. But this guy, <laughs> this guy was a genius, yeah. W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, this guy's story was so heavy. Uh, he studied black folks. By, by 1947, this guy was almost 80 years old. He lived until 1963. He lived uh, much, much younger. Uh, uh, he lived until I went in the service. I was in the service when he died. Damn near 100. <laughs> W.E.D. Boys had a long, prosperous uh, life, a prolific writer, a prolific uh, man. That guy he spoke something like four languages. <laughs> this guy was in the uh, W.E.D. Boys. He, uh, he advocated on behalf of uh, American Jackets and like no other. Uh, scientist that uh, I can say. I mean, he's my, he's my man. This petition to the United Nations he put together in 1947 is what we're dealing with. I got it in my book. Uh, it's hard to find, y'all. I urge everybody, I urge everybody <coughs> to uh, <clears throat> go to my book and get it. <laughs> Go to my website if you just want to read a copy of it. I got it out there. Excerpt 8 out of my book. Go there and get it. It's free of charge. Everybody needs to read it. Everybody needs to read it, yeah. The result has been to make American Negroes to a wide extent provincial, introvert, self-conscious, and narrowly raised moral. But it, all, but it has also inspired them to frantic and often successful effort to achieve, to deserve, to show the world their capacity to share modern civilization. As a result, there is almost no area of American civilization in which the Negro has not made creditable showing in the face of all his handicaps. If I ever the effect of the color caste system on the North American Negro has been both good and bad, it, its effect on white America has been disastrous. It has repeatedly led the greatest modern attempt at democratic government to deny its political ideas, to falsify its philanthropic pick assertions and to make its religion to a great extent hypocritical. Wow. A nation which boldly a nation which boldly declares that all men are created equal proceeded to build its economy on chattel slavery. <clears throat> Masters who declared race mixture impossible sold their own children into slavery and left a mulatto progeny 
which neither law nor science can today disentangle. Churches which excused slavery as calling the heathens to God refused to recognize the freedom of converts or admit them to equal communion. Sectional strife over the profits of slave labor in conscious revolt against making human beings real estate led to bloody civil war and to a partial emancipation of slaves. Only a partial emancipation as well. Because of this uh, political purgatory that uh, that uh, the country uh, found itself in after uh, the 14th Amendment rights of the immediate message was taken away. Poverty, disease, and crime have been forced on these unfortunate victims of greed to an extent far beyond any social necessity. <clears throat> and a great nation which today ought to be in the forefront of the march toward peace and democracy finds itself continuously making common cause with race hate. Prejudice, exploitation, and oppression of the common man. Its high and noble words are turned against it because they are contradicted in every syllable by the treatment of the American Negro for 328 years. Slavery in America is a strange and contradictory story. It cannot be regarded as mainly either a theoretical problem of morals or a scientific problem of race. From either of these points of view, the rise of slavery in America is simply inexplicable. Looking at the facts, frankly, slavery evidently was a matter of economics, a question of income and labor rather than a problem of right and wrong or of the physical differences in men. Well, slavery began to be the source of vast income for men and nations, there followed a frantic search for moral and racial justifications. Such excuses were found, and men did not inquire too carefully into either their logic or truth. It was about that almighty dollar, you know? When they started making money off the slaves, they didn't care for the, uh, the fiction about uh, somebody being inferior was true or not. We're going to make it true. <laughs> We're going to make it true. They did whole studies about how inferior these people were. These people have been building pyramids when the folks in Europe were living in caves. The 20 Negroes brought to Virginia in 1619 were not the first who had landed on the, this country. For a century, small numbers of Negroes had been arriving as servants and laborers as free adventurers. The southwestern part of the 
because you know the place was first traversed by four explorers of whom one was an African Negro, Negro of the company. Early explorers like De Leon and Mendez in the southwestern United States were just as early of black visitors in the West Indies were servants and adventurers and then later began to appear as laborers on sugar plantations. So, in Virginia, these imported black laborers in 1619 and after came to be wanted for the raising of tobacco, which was the money crop at that time. In the minds of the early families, there was no distinction as to labor, whether it was white or black. In the early times, <clears throat> in law, there was at first no discrimination. But as imported white labor became scarcer and more protected by law, it became less profitable than Negro labor, which flooded the markets because of European slave traders' internal strife in Africa and because. In America, the Negroes were increasingly stripped of legal defense. For these reasons, America became the land of black slavery. And there arose first the fabulous rich sugar empire, then the cotton kingdom, and finally colonial imperialism. Then came the inevitable fight Then came the inevitable fight between free labor and democracy on the one hand and slave labor with the huge profits on the other. Black slaves were the spearhead of this fight. They were the first in America to stage the sit-down strike to slow up and sanitize the work of the plantation. They revolted time after time, and no matter what recorded history may say, they enacted laws against slave against slave uh, revolt or Unassable testimony as to what these revolts meant all over America. The slaves themselves, especially, <coughs> imperiled the whole slave system by escape from slavery. It was a fugitive slave more than the slave revolt, which finally threatened investment and income. And the Organization for Helping Fugitive Slaves to Free Northern Negroes and their white friends in the guise of an underground movement was of tremendous influence. Finally, it was a Negro soldier as a co-fighter with the whites for independence from the British economic empires began emancipation. The British did for his help in the colonials against their first impulse had to be at a return and virtually to promise the Negro soldier freedom after the Revolutionary War. It was for the protection <coughs> of American Negro sailors as well as whites that the War of 1812 was precipitated and after independence from England, 
For the complex freedom for the black laboring class, transchasement of whites and blacks was in sight. In the meantime, however, white labor had continued to regard the United States as a place of refuge, as a place for free labor, for continuous employment and high wages, for freedom of thought and faith. It was here, however, that employers intervened, not because of any moral obliquities, but because the industrial because of but because the industrial revolution based upon the crops raised by slave labor in the Caribbean and in the southern United States was made possible by world trade and a, a new astonishing technique and finally was made prior by a vast transportation of slave labor through the British slave trade in the 18th and early 19th centuries. The new mass of slaves became competitors of white labor and drove white labor for refuge into the arms of employers whose interests were founded on slave labor. The doctrine of race inferiority was used to convince white labor that they had the right to be free to vote white while the Negroes must be slaves or be dressed the wages of whites. Western free soil became additional lure and conversation if it could be restricted to free labor. On the other hand, the fight of the slaveholders against democracy increased with the spread of the wealth and power of the cotton kingdom. Through political power based on slaves, they became the dominant political force in the United States. They were unsuccessful in expanding into Mexico and tried to penetrate the Caribbean. Finally, they demanded for slavery aid part of the free soil of the West. And because of this last success, it was in fact impossible effort, a civil war to preserve and extend slavery in sea. This fight for slave labor was echoed in the law. The free Negro was systematically discouraged, disenfranchised, and reduced to serfdom. He became, by law, the easy victim of the kidnapper and liable to treatment as a fugitive slave. The church, enforced by wealth and respectability, was predominantly on the side of the slave owner. An effort was made to make uh, the degradation of the Negro as a race final by Supreme Court decision. But from the beginning, the outcome of the Civil War was inevitable, and this, and this, not mainly on the mount, on account of the predominant wealth and power of the North, it was because the clear fact that the Southern slave economy was built on black labor. If any, if at any time the slaves or any large part of them as workers had ceased to support the South, and if even more decisively, as fighters, uh, they joined the North, there was no way in the world for the South to win, to win. Just as soon as the slaves uh, became uh, spies for the invaded Northern Army, laborers for their uh, camps and fortifications, and finally produced 200,000 trained and efficient soldiers with arms in their hands, and with the possibility of a million more, the fate of the slave South 
was sealed. It was sealed. When Lincoln uh, issued the Emancipation in 1862, y'all, that September, it didn't go into effect in January, a couple more months, January 1st of 1863, but as soon as he issued that thing, uh, he started, a uh, slave started walking off that off the plantation in Groves, joining the Union Army. I think by January uh, 1863, he had some 200,000 blacks already signed up in the Union Army with guns. Now, a smart general like Robert E. Lee, that people claim was so uh, great of a general, he saw these numbers. I mean, a smart general would have ended that thing right there, saved some 200,000 lives. He could have saved some 200,000 lives. Huh? <laughs> yeah. He could have saved some 200,000 lives in September of 1862 when Lincoln uh, issued that emancipation to him then. So y'all can't uh, do what you're doing down there in the South. Y'all can't just proceed from the Union like that. There's a process you got to go through under this Constitution. You got to go through a process to uh, take yourself out of this union. Uh, Robert E. Lee said, For hell, which are we going to continue this battle? We can't emancipate anybody. We're going we're gonna to continue this fight. This is September of 1862. Uh, the war went on for another three years. Bloody. Bloody, bloody war went on for another three years at the cost of hundreds of thousands of lives, y'all. Uh, at the cost of hundreds of thousands of lives, that war went on. The fate of the slave south was sealed, the man said. Victory, however, brought the limit. If victory uh, meant full economic freedom for labor in the south, white and black, if it meant land and education and eventually votes, then the slave empire was doomed in province of northern industry built on the southern slave foundation will also be seriously curtailed northern industry had a stake in the cotton kingdom and in cheap slave labor that supported it it had expanded it had expanded For war industry during the fighting was encouraged by government subsidy and eventually was protected by large by a huge tariff rampant port. When war profits declined, there was still prospect of tremendous post war profits of cotton and other products of southern agriculture. Therefore what the North wanted was not freedom and higher wages, wage for black labor, but it's controlled under such forms of law as would keep it cheap and also stop its open competition with northern labor. The moral protest of abolitionists must be appeased for profitability for profitable industry was determined to control wages and government. Uh, here's where uh, the industrialists get in on the scam, and y'all, after the Civil War, we're talking about uh, they wasn't so much for uh, uh, raising the uh, uh, 
they went about raising the uh, uh, wages of uh, the free blacks so much as they was about suppressing it, keeping them, uh, uh, their labor low so that uh, the price of the price of cotton would be uh, uh, the price of cotton would be uh, or raw material would remain uh, low. It had expanded for war industrialists during the fighting, uh, was encouraged by government subsidy, and eventually was protected by large terror. When your profits declined, when war profits declined, there was still the prospect of tremendous post-war profits of cotton and other products of southern agriculture. Therefore, what the North wanted was not freedom and higher wage for black labor, but it's controlled under such forms of law as would keep it cheap, and also stop its open competition with northern labor. The moral protest of, of abolitionists must be appeased but profitable industry was determined to control wages and government. The the rich and the powerful determined to control wage labor and the government. Imagine that. Wow. Wow, imagine that. They was determined to control labor costs and government. This is a big industry here. This is Wall Street talking. This is a big industry here. the Negro 
This is the scheme. This is the separate equal bullshit that went down right here. This is what he's talking about. Let me go back and read this again. The moral protest of abolitionists must be appeased. The profitable industry was determined to control wages in the government. The result was an attempt at reconstruction in which black labor established schools, tried to divide up the land, and put a new social legislation in force. On the other hand, the power of southern landowners soon joined with northern industry to disenfranchise the Negro. <clears throat> in other words, soon after they uh, became emancipated, the 14th Amendment put in the southern landowners uh, pissed off at the blacks with their freedom and their political power joined in with the northern industrialists uh, put in place all these separate equal laws that suppressed uh, of their rights. Keep him from access to free land. <laughs> Soon going to Northern Institute, just to translate, keep him from access to free land or to capital and to build up the present caste system for blacks founded on color discrimination, Pionage, intimidation, and mob violence. So it happened right there. Right there. This is 1947. W.E.B. Bores, his critique of where uh, we were at that time living under the separate equal and exactly how uh, the whites in the South got together with the Northern industrials to uh, suppress a black labor. Uh, it's right there in a nutshell. In a nutshell, uh, it is this fact that underlies many of the contradictions in the social and political development of the United States since the Civil War. Despite our resources and our miraculous technique, despite comparatively, comparatively high wages, paid many of our workers in their consequent high standard of living, we are nevertheless ruled by wealth, monopoly, and big business organizations to an astounding degree. Our railroad transportation is built upon monumental economic injustice, both to passengers, shippers, and to different sections of the land. The monopoly of land and natural resources throughout the United States, both in cities and in farming districts, is a disgraceful aftermath to the vast land heritage with which this nation started. In 1876, the democratic process of government was crippled throughout the whole nation. This came about not simply through disenfranchisement of Negroes, but through the fact that the political power of the disenfranchised Negro and of a large number of equally disenfranchised whites was preserved as the basis of political power, that the willing of that power was left in the hands and under the control of the successors of the planter dynasty in the South. Let us examine these facts more carefully. 
the United States has always professed to be a democracy. She has never wholly obtained her ideal, but slowly she has approached it. Things of voting has in turn been widened by abolishing limitations of birth, religion, and lack of property. After the Civil War, which abolished slavery in the nation, in gratitude to black soldiers and laborers who helped win that war, sought to admit to the suffrage all persons without distinction of race, color, or previous conditions of servitude. They were warned by the great leaders of abolition, like some Sumner, Stevens, and Douglas, that this could only be effective if the free men were given schools, land, and some minimum of capital, a free man's bureau to furnish these prerequisites to effective citizenship was planned, put into partial operation. The Congress and the nation really are the cost of war and eager to get back to profitable industry, refused the necessary funds. The effort died, but in order to restore friendly civil government in the South, the enfranchisement is the enfranchised freemen, 75% illiterate without land or tools, was thrown into competitive industry with a ballot in his hand. By by Herculean effort, helped by philanthropy in his own hard work, the Negro built a school system, bought land, and cooperated in starting a new economic order in the South. In a generation, he had reduced his illiteracy by half in that recovery wage, earning labor, and share profit. He still was handicapped by poverty, disease, and crime, but nevertheless, the rise of the American Negro from slavery in 1860 to freedom in 1880 has few parallels in modern history. Hey, uh, we're going to take another quick pause for the calls here and get right back to uh, uh, Mr. DeBoer. So y'all hanging there, we'll be right back. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushma Black Phone. Tell your friends about it. Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in
um, getting a first-hand uh, glimpse of uh, the injuries suffered, some of those laws um, that led up to um, uh, the economic inequality that existed in 1954 when Brown finally set aside uh, those uh, seven equal laws here uh, in the South and in the country. By 1954, uh, blacks were woefully injured economically because of those laws, because of the discrimination in the workplace and the union in the schools and the, throughout uh, the society. We had been economically uh, devastated by then. Uh, and when Brown uh, set, uh, set those laws aside, uh, 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 the court should have been petitioned uh, back in 1954 on behalf of some 20 million uh, Americans who have said that at that time who were injured by those laws for financial reparation. That wasn't done in part because of the uh, uh, pressure put on uh, Thurgood Marshall threatening some uh, racial uh, unrest in the South uh, and uh, uh, for two, uh, the lack of knowledge on behalf of uh, 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 the masses of blacks who uh, uh, were woefully uh, uneducated to exactly what uh, what had just transpired uh, uh, was woefully uh, uneducated to uh, uh, just what uh, financial reparation was. Uh, we uh, uh, contend that uh, that case, the ability to petition the court for financial reparations still exists today because that uh, those laws uh, was equivalent to uh, a genocide. Hundreds of uh, Americans have sent died under the, uh, of those oppressive laws without uh, any justice. Uh, on our show 
uh, uh, as we go. Uh, the formula that we came up with on um, determining uh, a, an exact amount that each American American has sent uh, 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 should have been asking for in, in uh, 1954. Uh, uh, we based the formula on uh, 500,000 sent free here in Georgia who had a taxable income, who had a tax, uh, taxable Uh, worth of uh, some 315 million to the state of Georgia in 1860. We uh, divided that uh, 500,000 uh, number into 315 million. Came up about 630 dollars per per person. We kind of just uh, carried that thing forward to 1954, and that came up with that 10 million dollar church. And, uh, and really, that the budget that uh, Paul ran. Put, put together talking about taking $2.5 trillion away from poor people over 10 years. You divide that into the 22 million people that was a American record to send you come up with that same 10 million. <laughs> That's a backdoor way of getting there, but uh, those numbers have to uh, uh, stay the same. Uh, you can't uh, devalue uh, the value. <laughs> you can't take away the value of this, uh, uh, other people. Uh, 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 as property, and uh, you're going to take it away, take away all the, uh, their value, and have to restore it on the other end of that uh, side of that war. It can't be done, you know. The moral problem there, among uh, other things that I talk about, now they got their own moral beliefs. <laughs> Everybody got their own moral beliefs. So I'm not going to. I said there's some moral stuff, uh, stuff at work here that. Uh, uh, has to be adhered to. Uh, that, uh, yeah, <laughs> you cannot take away uh, the, the value of property. You can't depreciate it down to nothing. You can depreciate it or uh, or, uh, or appreciate it, depending. But uh, you can't take it away altogether. Y'all have to. Uh, it has to stay with that property. Y'all don't know. Get my book, Racism and Hate in American Reality. We talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Go to my website, hushmoblack.com. And uh, you can uh, purchase it there. You can purchase it there. We, uh... It fits right into uh, the conversation of the day. And people say, well, yeah, uh, black folks are racist too, ain't they? Uh, no, black folks are not racist by nature. Black folks hate. We got we got to distinguish uh, the, uh, there's a distinct difference between uh, racist and haters. Racism is, is proactive where as hating is reactive. Y'all, y'all get that? Racism is proactive. Hate is reactive. Yeah, hate is a byproduct of racism. I used to think I hated people. I found out that uh, that wasn't the case. It took me some years to come to that. Some growing, 
some real uh, growing I had to uh, do to uh, come to that uh, conclusion. I uh, I uh, can honestly say today that I don't hate nobody. Black, me, black, white, green, or yellow. Everybody is uh, the same in my <laughs> in my book. Now, I didn't say. It. <laughs> I didn't say. It. Uh, I reject uh, this uh, notion of uh, racism today. I still reject that notion, y'all. I still advocate. And I will forever advocate for reparations for the injuries that I received at the hands of uh, racist uh, laws and policies here in this country. I will forever advocate for those uh, for those reparations. Doesn't mean that I, I'm running around and hating. I'm not running around and hating anybody. Uh, that's the way. Uh, Past me. Uh, now we still have races in the country. We still have races in the country, yeah. To the tune of, uh, I don't know, 25 to 30 percent races in the country today railing against uh, this black president, too, making it almost impossible for this guy to do his job for no other reason uh, than his color. At the detriment. Uh, of the country's well-being while the country's at war. <laughs> it, it's so uh, it's so crazy. It's, uh, it's so mad-boggling. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, if I was president, hey, if I ruled the world, <laughs> hey, if I ruled the world and, and the president, and when they closed that uh, Congress down back in October, I would have declared martial law and started locking, uh, locking people up. That Congress, I would have locked all them jokers up, closing the government down while we still that war. Are you going to close this government down? Oh, no. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to open that government back up tomorrow if I have to declare martial law and start locking half of Congress up. Uh, That's what I would have done. I believe the executive have that authority. Yeah. I believe the executive have that authority. Uh, we just got a nice president. We just got a nice president. Hey, we can we we got some of on the plate here in this country, y'all. We don't have time to uh, get into Ukraine here any further tonight, and that thing is gonna. I think got the potential of being uh, uh, really dangerous over there, you know. But Ukraine thing, that thing got the potential to blow up into, uh, that thing got the potential to blow up into something awfully, uh, oh, BJ got his uh, 1,000 career hit. That's what they gave him the ball for a while. Okay, right. you're in the ball. Whoa, we got yeah, we got so much going on with uh, 
here in this country with this economic inequality debate and uh, racial tensions and uh, all this other crazy stuff uh, uh, going on here. We ain't got time to uh, pay attention to much. Uh, <laughs> we really don't have time to pay attention to uh, much else other than uh, our domestic, uh, what's going on on the domestic front. It's too important to us. It is too important. We ain't got time to cover world events. There's an airplane been missing damn near two months. We we almost almost got to stop even talking about that. We got a plane, a big old seven seven seven, been missing damn near two months, y'all. They tell us that don't nobody know where this big old plane or uh, some two hundred and forty people are at that was on that plane. Don't nobody know what happened to the plane. They've been searching all over the ocean. It's just crazy, y'all. This whole thing is just crazy. This whole thing is just crazy. Well, nobody knows what these claims that they say. Nobody knows what these claims that. It's a big old uh, modern, sophisticated airline. One of the most modern, uh, most sophisticated airlines in the air disappeared. And uh, we ain't got time to talk about it for a Sinatic game. That's going on here on the social front. We uh, we got to uh, stay abreast of it. It's too important. It's too important, yeah. The stuff that's going on here today is just too important um, to the survival uh, of our community, to the uh, up, to the uplift of our community. We have got to stay on top of this. Everybody has got to get engaged. We can't just uh, let the top 10% of our uh, talented 10th, <laughs> as W.E.B. Du Bois uh, cloned them. Or <laughs> we can't just uh, we can't just uh, allow our the tenth be on the other thing on our head. The masses, the masses have got to get involved and provide uh, support. The masses have got to get involved and provide support uh, to uh, has got to get involved and provide support to our top uh, talent tenth there. The Al Sharpton's, the Joy Reeves, the Melissa Harris's the Michael Dyson, those people, we got to support them. We've got to voice our, uh, <laughs> we got to make our voices heard. And I try to do this through my writings, uh, try to make my voice heard, try to join in on the conversation. We can't just be about, uh, uh, we can't just be uh, what the conversation is about as a community. We've got to be part of the conversation. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about? We, the masses, uh, has to be a part of the conversation. We can no longer be uh, 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 just uh, We have to be part of the conversation. Uh, yeah. We can't just forever play defense uh, around here, y'all. This is a, a 
like a football game. Defense wins a lot of games, but you got to have some kind of uh, offense along the way. You got to throw in an offensive player. Today, uh, all we're doing is uh, playing defense from affirmative action to uh, this, uh, all this other voting rights suppression, all this other crazy crap. We are doing nothing but playing defense, which is good. We got to play defense. We thrust into that role. But we also have to uh, have some offense, y'all. My offensive play that I advocate is uh, to petition the Supreme Court for a reparation that uh, that I do us uh, based on uh, the injuries that the separate uh, equal laws that uh, was in play until 1954. I can brown people of education uh, gave us that victory, gave us the uh, right to petition for financial reparations for those injuries. Hey, y'all, that's about going to do it for the Hushbo Comeback. We'll see you next week. I yeah. uh, look like it's going to be about, what, May 3rd? May 3rd for sure, y'all. One, two, three, May 3rd. First weekend of May. We'll be back then. Until then, ciao. We'll see you. The Hushmo Black Forum, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum www.blogtalkradio.com